Hello, everyone. Thank you. Uh, sorry, started there. <laughs> uh, three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Eat Loss Podcast. Today, we have um, a very special guest. Uh, she's uh, an award-winning chef, an entrepreneur, and a founder of Maymay. Uh, we have Elizabeth with us today. Elizabeth, thank you thanks so much for joining us today, uh, taking your valuable time and, uh, you know, telling us a little bit about your story, uh, telling us a little bit about, you know, what how you're navigating through these difficult times at the moment. Thank you for joining us. Um, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's, it's nice to do something other than uh, my own work at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> for for people who doesn't know, um, Elizabeth owns um, a restaurant called May May in Borough Market. Uh, mm-hmm. Specialises in Singaporean um food um yes. i have i haven't had the opportunity to kind of visit uh may may yet but um after this lockdown is uh it's high uh, on my list uh of places to visit it's gonna I'm be really at the top of your list <laughs> it is okay now it is now that you said it it's, it's on the top of the list <laughs> yeah um yeah. So, so elizabeth for the people who doesn't know you um maybe kind of give yourself a, a quick introduction and tell us a little bit about what you do at uh may may so I uh, started Maymay, uh, only started in November 2000, last year, so very, very new business. Um, before that, I was kind of, I was a chef before. I've been training, working through the ranks basically for a very long time without giving away my age. And um, <laughs> and yeah, I've worked in a number of Michelin restaurants and Michelin uh, star pubs and um I also was the founding chef of Pigeon, which got a Michelin star in 2016. And then I left to pursue my own sort of projects, which we started our own company called Kaizen House, um, which basically was like a parent company for all these sort of ideas that I had brewing that I wanted to do. So I didn't want to just be a chef that's in the kitchen. I wanted to be a chef that did events and sort of a bit more interactive um, sort of experiences with food. Um, mm. As well as we really were like interested in, in interacting with people in, in the different mediums, so we started our own YouTube channel, called, which is under Kaizen House, um, mm-hmm. and then also semi from that is basically is May May's our first restaurant project. So we, um, yeah, so I so said we started that in 2019, and it was going really well <laughs> until this whole pandemic started. But um, yeah, I think that. Um, people don't know me we're based in uh, Borough Market um, the famous market of London and um, absolutely adore it because I think it's just such an incredible um, feeling to be part of that sort of community especially in like the oldest markets in London it's Mm. such a bustle in that space and Mm. yeah it's it's hard work but um, yeah I really wanted to start to um, have basically a little slice of Singapore, our own Singaporean Kopitiam, in you know, right in the heart of London, and it was <laughs> it was a real like passion project for me because, you know, be doing um, Michelin star food, you know, a lot of modern European food, a lot of stuff mm. is very fine dining, fancy, um, a lot of Michelin, a lot of uh, I say Michelin, a lot of very good, high quality um, ingredients and a lot of Lots of tweezers. A lot of tweezers. A lot. Of, oh man! <laughs> and I just wanted to get back to what the heart of cooking is and what the flavour yeah. is. And it's just eating mm. with your hands and talking with oh. your mouth full and 
getting all rowdy <laughs> over food, you know, and that's that's what I love. I feel like I was like, oh, mm. I really do miss being, you know, that sort of part of, um, you know, that my side of my heritage. So I feel like I've really built my career on on the, on the whole on that side of fine dining, and I achieved yeah. what I wanted to do in such a short period of time. I'm very very grateful for that. But mm. it was more like, all right, let's go back to my roots. This is what I really enjoy. This is literally what I get up every morning, knowing that. I don't care that it's 5.30 in the morning. I'll get up and I'll get to work and I'll get there at uh, 7.30, 8.00 in the morning and then I'll just mm. crack on a little kitchen, even though it was, what, minus four degrees that, when we opened mm. in November last year. Absolutely <laughs> freeze. I, I swear to God, it, we I used to wear about 100 layers of clothes. It was that cold. <laughs> it was probably the opposite of what you think Singapore coffee shop would be like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, should, I would say to my family, I was like, oh, God, I just wish I was just wearing a vest and slippers, you know. <laughs> but no, oh, man, you get a full copy of the um, experience if you do do that. Yeah, I was probably like, I was. I definitely got the grumpy attitude because it was so cold. <laughs> but it was just, um, yeah, I was... I'm absolutely gutted well, that it's closed at the moment, mm, um, mm. but we'll be back very soon. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely sounds like, you know, you, you found, uh, you know, your, your true calling and your passion, you know, through uh, opening May May. Mm. And, you know, opening at such a, at such a, I say, quiet time of the year, you know, you really need to have guts to do that. But, you know, saying that, if you can survive the um, the winter seasons in, mm. you know, in the street food Kind of, or an outdoor kind of a food um, location, you know, uh, it, it means that you have something, you have something um, that's going to thrive and do very well, especially during the the, the, the busier seasons. There, so, you there's know, never, there's the, never a good time though to open a restaurant. I think learning from experience, mm. like I, I must have opened restaurant. I've opened a few restaurants and um, the various throughout times of the year, and there's different stresses throughout the year, but definitely do mm. not i do not recommend to open a market stall restaurant in winter it is so <laughs> cold your brain freezes over no one wants to come out and you know party with you outside and yeah yeah because it was so close to christmas it meant we were straight into that heavy rush of people and trying to navigate you know such a new working space so so you know quick 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 and mm. no but super grateful because it's like you got to throw yourself in the deep end then and yeah we came out swimming so and then fantastic now we're just kind of holding on waiting holding on holding on uh, yeah on 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 to on on to the um uh onto something that piece of plank from titanic (laughs) yeah hopefully there's space for more than one person on the on the door i hope so too exactly (laughs) Cool. I mean, um, you've obviously have a wealth of ex- experience as as a chef. Um, you know, winning Michelin stars, uh, a wealth of experience. You know, from uh, you know having you know, worked in these really high end uh, restaurants. But um, was you, your whole life uh, a chef, or did you do something before being a chef? No, I yeah, I I came into the sort of the cooking career very very quite late actually. I. Mm. I went to school to study architecture because that was my sort of like true passion and calling. I was like an artist before, an artist that loved, mm. you know, maths and physics. So I was like, oh, let's do architecture. And so I went to the whole school. I went to Central St. Martins in London and mm-hmm. um, studied for four years. And then after, I think it was 
the choice between going into a master's degree to finish my part two, to, well, to start my part two. And mm. I, I came across um, MasterChef. I basically applied as a drunken joke and I actually got in. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, it's, it, it's something that always haunts me, though, is everyone brings up MasterChef whenever I, uh, I, I do an interview. <laughs> and it's like, I, uh-huh, I, I, uh-huh. I have got a career a past MasterChef. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I did the show as a bit of a... I actually, I loved it. It was it, it was an intense, I mean, just fresh out of university, com- completely um, ignorant and completely blind eye to Naive. what stresses of what goes on, you know, with TV production. It is a TV production show mm-hmm, rather mm-hmm. than cooking. I mean, it's the cooking sh- is the second part, I think, past the production side of it. But it's incredible yeah, yeah, experience. Yeah. Like I, I had so much fun and I had such a great time, like meeting like-minded people that were into food, like me. And mm, mm. because when I was at university, my my fellow um, students, they would be like, "Why did you do, like? We're going to go out to a bar," and I'd be like, oh, "I just spent sixty quid on a got the birth. Uh, I think I'm going to stay in. <laughs> <laughs> I got no money. I spent it all on food lab. <laughs> so, and then they would be like, um, "Okay." Yeah, well, you got your priorities right. Yeah, Elizabeth, you got your priorities right. I mean, they're, they're into drinking and smoking. Oh, it's just like now I'm going to have my roast beef and try a new dish this <laughs> evening. Um, uh, so I, I, I kind of like. I, so I finished doing the show. I didn't do mm. terribly well on it, <laughs> but <clears throat> well enough. Um, and. And then basically I was like, all right, well, I'm going to throw myself into a career cooking. And this was mm. probably the scariest thing to do is anyone know anyone who has an Asian parent is telling them that you're going from an architecture degree and a career in architecture to becoming a chef. Mm. <laughs> mm. Let's just put it this way. My parents didn't take it well. Um, my mum was like, you want to become, a, <laughs> you want to become a cook? You want- a, a special... I mean, I'm I'm not trying to be um, stereotypical here, but especially an Asian parent, especially an Asian mom. Oh man, it, I think oh, it took man. like a, oh, it took maybe like a year or two of convincing. I I don't know. But I think mm. it's, maybe it was just the shock that I was, you know, been living the high life in London as a student and working mm. hard as soon as they think, and mm. um, uh, I I basically had to move back in with them at home so that I could start mm. this career from scratch as a chef, and then. Um, I basically sent, I was old school, I sent out letters to restaurants asking for a job. Um, and they were probably wow. like, what the hell is this? Uh, who does this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I actually got, yeah, I got lots of responses and I ended up in this gastro pub that is close uh-huh. by. And um, yeah, just started from the bottom upwards and worked my way upwards. It took maybe a very, it took a very, very long time. Um uh-huh. I wanted to like speed it up by going on my days off. I would go to it, travel into London. So this is back. Mm-hmm. This is back in Maidenhead and Windsor where I live. Um, I would travel mm-hmm. into London on a six six thirty train to get to school in Westminster Kingsway, mm. um, mm-hmm. Victoria, so completely the other side of London, um, mm-hmm. for an eight thirty class, and you had to be in your sharp ironed whites and trying to get any sort of uniform ironed from. Maidenhead to London without being crumpled <laughs> was a real challenge in itself and it, this is the sort of place yeah. where you had to like wear like a handkerchief on your neck and stuff so it was very old yeah, yeah, yeah. old school classical French um, diploma and so I did that on my days off because I wanted to basically like I got teased a lot for being in the kitchen for not knowing a lot so I knew a lot about mm. food and I knew a lot about 
tastes and textures and I knew a lot about um that was the benefit of base of you know living with my my parents my mum she cooks incredibly well and she's taught me you know about mm. palate that was the strongest thing mm. that I had I think and mm. um and flavor and knowing about flavor and what I liked and what I didn't like and uh I just basically got teased a lot because I didn't know about techniques and the technical te- uh, terminology basically so that's why mm. I went to the school and I just sort of did that for three years so worked worked five days two days then study and then I had to uh basically I think maybe it was like one or two afternoons I'd be like okay I have I have off and that was that mm. for three years um and then I kind of wanted to move into London and just start my career there because that's where I think it really kick-started the career, really. Wow. Well, you really started from the bottom, now you're here then. Yeah. So it's more than MasterChef. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. I mean, MasterChef was probably just one of the um, the foundations to your kind of career. Yeah. Uh, but, a, you know, yeah. you work, it sounds like you worked extremely hard. And, um, you know, you deserve all the success and the oh, recognition you. you have now. Um, and, you know, I can also relate to your kind of architectural kind of um, uh, 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 career as well, because I studied architecture as well. And I worked in oh, the industry yeah, for 10 years oh. um, before. Yeah. So you, I actually you, worked you, in the you industry. Stuck it, you stuck it out longer than I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um i wasn't doing the most exciting kind of architecture um uh, but anyway it's not about me today it's all about you <laughs> we have a lot to talk about later though. <laughs> that's 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 another that's for another conversation but um i mean you know you're you're riding on a high with all these um accolades you know being a michigan style award-winning chef mm. um you know with so much experience in the kind of european kind of kind of cuisine mm. um you know, you you could have easily branched out and do something similar and kind of uh, gain uh, similar success. But uh, I mean, why Maymay? Why 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 kind of Singaporean food, which is you know not as well known, is definitely a risk, isn't it? Yeah, I thought. Well, I I think main thing was is that I mm. I I basically was like I got it. It got all very repetitive for me and. Yes, we mm. started like we we um first restaurant project was Shabiri, which was going to be like a fine dining, um modern. I don't I'd say modern Asian because it that's so broad. It's like modern European. What the hell is that? But um, yeah, we were looking at doing a fine dining restaurant, and I was like, actually, you know what? I want to go back to comfort food. I want to explore like I enjoy to others as much as comfort food brings. Like this sort of food brings joy to me. So we. Mm. I was looking, I was like, well, actually, if I wanted a chicken rice or if I wanted, you know, I wanted, there were certain places I could look out for. There were street vendors, but it wasn't something like a particular mm. sort of kopitiam stall and experience that I wanted that I completely mm. missed from home. And we were, mm. it kind of just was timing wise. It just fell in our lap that um, I was told yeah. about this space that was happening at Barra Market that they're redeveloping. And I was like, you mm. know what? We haven't got a single penny. We haven't got like any idea what we're going to do. But I just applied. I threw together, and I think we worked for two weeks nonstop. I swear to God, day and night mm. on this project mm. of bringing together mm. the concept pack, the idea. Um, 
how mm. it would work, what was Meme going to be? And I was very dead certain, like, okay, we've got to go back to the roots, like, what am I passionate mm. about? And it was about, like, you know, that sort of that copetian, um, the, so just not just about the food it'll be about the drinks and the experience and the and that part of that culture mm. that I felt that was so underrepresented in London and yes yeah. as soon as I like started doing a lot more research into it of course I came across the guys at Curb and um uh Rice Guys and there's like some like you know there's touches of course I know Mandy from Samba Shiok who represents Malaysia really well and there's like mm-hmm. places around London, and of course, there's Chinatown, which obviously you've got the big players like Reza Sayang and um, CNR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for me, I was just like, okay, it'd be great to kind of bridge across from my side being European and also mm-hmm. my bridge across my other side being Asian. So I wanted to create somewhere that was mm-hmm. quite, had this great synergy between that was kind of not just very, very approachable. Um, but at the same time, educational for those who aren't aware what Kopitiam mm. is or those who completely miss, uh, you know, a Hanani's chicken rice that, um, I mean, I hope like people they kind of get that sort of nostalgic hit when they come to Maymay. That was the main kind of uh, uh, mission for Maymay. It's just doing really mm. good quality um, food, uh, but with the heart of kind of like, transporting that person back to singapore or malaysia yeah yeah i mean it's almost like you were almost sort of scratching your own itch you know mm. uh finding something that you would want to go to you know on a regular basis well, yeah you gotta um, make work you gotta make work it, your hobby so <clears throat> i absolutely it, you know it, it, this is this is something that i had like I, I had tremendous funding and i you know i would have lots of riffs with my mum and i think she now um Minus, like, obviously, it was accepted me being a chef once I got the Michelin star, of course. But now uh-huh, there's, like, uh-huh. great, like, talking to her, being like, oh, what's, you know, have you got, what's that Assam fish recipe you got, mum? Can I test it out on this? And uh-huh. then, and she's uh-huh. loving it that I'm sort of, like, rep- I think it's, she's just very proud that I'm representing so much of our culture in London now as well. Amazing. Which, um, again, you know, we're, we're always doing this to impress our parents, aren't we? So... <laughs> we are in some odd way yeah. we are we are um and you know it's like especially with with my kind of i mean asian parents in general um a lot of things uh a lot of my conversation with my mom is also about food as well mm. and now that i'm also in this the, the the food business you know um do we have a lot more things to talk about and uh, you know she feels like she's more involved in 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 our lives as well so mm. yeah it it's I, I find it fascinating, mm. and you know, you talk about your two different kind of your 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 culture. You know, your your European culture and your kind of Asian culture as well. Mm. And you bring like you know, you bring these these authentic kind of Southeast Asian dishes uh, into Borough Market, which is you know representation of uh, street food in in in, in London. <laughs> so you know, you can't get any better than no, that. Exactly. You know, it is a it is a it is a a, a complete. Uh, fusion of, of of the two cultures together exactly. and you know it's fantastic that you're doing this i mean also for people who doesn't know may may what does it stand for little sister is it a name or is it does it stand for something it's little sister it's so it's a it's an little yeah it's an endearing name for someone who's you know younger than you or smaller than mm. you uh so mm. i have two younger sisters and so i was like we've definitely mm. got to call it after them 
because uh, family is very very close knit. Um, and mm. uh, we yeah we just kind of like, I I always wanted to call it that. I was I was worried that because it's you know there's it's such a it's, it's, it's an, you know there's so many maymays. <laughs> so I was like yeah, it's a very intimate thing. As yeah, well. and I think food, your your family. I wanted the brand, fantastic. like I said, I wanted the brand to be young, playful, and you know, if you mm. imagined uh, someone like a little sister, someone that you don't need to take too seriously, but at the mm. same time you want to look after and you grow with it. That's kind of like yeah. behind the name. Um, mm. Yeah, it's it's. It's always um, interesting. I, I definitely just kept very close knit to my Singapore side. You know, I was born in Singapore. I moved here when I was mm. young. My dad's British, so I've mm. lived mostly here mm. all my life. But I felt mm. like it was time to kind of pay more due respect to my mother's side. And like like you said, perfectly. It's just so great just to riff off and interact with her, and you yeah. know, just mm. be a bit more involved on that side Finding- of uh, you know heritage. Yeah. Yeah, totally understand that. Um, really gonna going back to your your roots and really uh, embracing mm. it and uh, celebrating uh, our our roots. Uh, I think like most British born British born Chinese like myself, you know, our, our parents wanted us to do something that's not food related, especially oh, in the food yeah. and beverage business, and become architects or engineers or doctors or lawyers or whatever. Exactly. But I, what I've realized is the more of the as we get older. The, the the more we appreciate our own culture, mm. and you know the and the more we want to kind of express our culture through. But food. you know what? I think it's um, also because we live here and we don't get the same accessibility <coughs> as say if we lived in Singapore or Malaysia, because um, it's Correct, very. Yeah. I know that it's becoming very difficult for the hawkers, particularly the storeholders in Singapore at the moment, to pass on that sort of knowledge and that um, experience. You know, pass it down. It's going, you know, all that knowledge is dying with the, el- you know, the growing elderly population there. Um, and it's quite mm. sad. Like, I, you know, because no one wants to take it. It's hard work. And I mean, a lot of these copatiens and these storeholders work very, you know, solo and very long hours, but they want better for their mm. children. And I think that's also why my parents were a bit like, oh, you, you want to do a copatien? Even I don't think even, I mean, I'm like, <laughs> I'm even to a pop or gong gong here that I'm doing. You know, run a copper tea, and they'll just be like, they'll think I'm mad. You're like, you have a degree, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. but I think that's also kind of like why I appreciate it so much is because I get so, even though I've lived here, I always consider Singapore more my home. I just, mm. I just maybe it's because I have such fond memories. We always have such a lovely time there because it's all just about food and eating and being rowdy and playing mahjong and eating durian on the floor, and I just have such fond memories. I just feel like that's more like home. <laughs> Than here, maybe. Yeah. It's also maybe because I feel more accepted in Singapore. I just that's you know that's mm. just another long, really long story. But here in the UK, I just feel like there's such a longing for this food and this cuisine and this sort of culture that I've never really get to be a part of because I've grown up in a very predominantly, uh, I say predominantly, just extremely conservative white. Uh, um, suburb so it's it's maybe it's just me just wanting to connect with that a bit more and I absolutely Mm. adore like when I'm in the market and um yes I don't look particularly well I always get that saying I don't look Asian I don't look British so everyone's kind of like what are you um and I love that when I'm at (laughs) Maymay 
and aunties yeah. or uh, grandmas, they come to <clears throat> them and they're like, oh, this looks familiar. Oh, I see you've got fried carrot cake, you've got honey. Uh, oh, you've got nice in the Mac, huh? And then they see uh, I've written all the, co- uh, all the coffees and copies, everything's in the right terminology. And they're like, and they uh-huh. look at me and they look at my chefs and they go, what the oh, hell? What? And then they go, <laughs> and then when they start to order and they're like, it's, it's usually me up on the tills because I love interacting yeah. with the customers. And they'll order mm. and they're like, I like a coffee, but not too sweet. And with, um, mm. uh, with not, not so sweet. And I'd be like, ah, oh, so uh, coffee sees you die. And they'd be like, eh? <laughs> it's almost like, they're like, you understand? You, How the hell do you know, know that? <laughs> Or they'd be like, I want yeah, to yeah, yeah. say, oh, copy C Peng. And they'd be like, uh, okay, what's going on? Is there some sort of joke? <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, I'm, you know, I, it's just, it's, it's just quite funny. But at the same time, I, I, I love that I get to, you know, give that familiarity to them. And also, mm. though, to try and teach um, people who don't understand the coffee culture or this food, and you know, showing them that there's, there's more to, um, particularly um, when I speak to a- about Asian, Southeast Asian cuisine with my friends, they just think it's a particular mm. just mm. Singapore fried noodles or uh, Singapore fried rice. You know, that's, that's the only two probably dishes they could probably name. And, I, and yeah. then when I start to talk in depth about, you know, the depths of bakute <clears throat> or I tell them about nazi lamak and, or, mm. you know, mi goreng or mi siam and they're just like, I, you're just talking a lot of different things for us, Liz. We don't understand. I'm like, oh, well, I'll just cook it for you. Then you'll understand. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. it's, it's, yeah I, I, I mean, like, especially in Southeast Asia, where it's almost like a melting point with so many different cultures. You know, we've got the Chinese, we've got the Indians, we've got the, the natives, you've got Thai. Mm. And Southeast Asian food is almost like a melting point of all these different kind of cultures and flavors put together. I think, and, that, and, and that's that's a really good. Um, brilliant about it, though. It's a, it's a really that's what's brilliant about it, and it's also a really good way for us to kind of educate people about Asia that's not too familiar about mm, it. Exactly, uh, because it's just it's a food that you know Singaporean food and Malaysian food or Southeast Asian food just has so much uh, culture and, and, and history and story behind yeah, it. Yeah, and I don't feel like uh, it's always yeah. not. It's, it's very, very not. As I said, it wasn't. I didn't feel like it was represented properly in all the right it, enough, basically. And uh, even if yeah. I am contribute a little bit to um, the offering in London, I feel like that's a you know, it's a big step for uh, me and my family. And I think I've always been brought up on a, more on the Nonya and Peranakan cuisine. From so my mum mm. would cook fresh every night, and it'll be well five six dishes every evening at least minimum. Um, Stand- standard. standard, right? So when standard. I brought my, <laughs> I remember bringing my Australian husband over. We were in early dating. He would be like. Oh, we've got rice and we've got one, uh, some other dish. And then my mum would come out with like six more dishes and he would be like, what is going on? We, we feed, is there more people coming over? And it would just, oh, I cracked up. And I was like, and you, you do realise uh, it's better to eat all of this, all of this clean. Of course. <laughs> at least, at least, at least all, everything in your rice bowl anyway. Oh, it, thing, my mum would top it up plenty. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yes. They never. They they never allow us to kind of go hungry. No. No. But then. You, yeah. Yeah. It's just. It's. It's just. Yeah. It's just such a. It's just. Yeah. I don't know. It's just. 
wonderful to kind of like represent yeah. that in London at least a little bit and it's Absolutely. and it's great to kind of give that sort of experience to new customers and customers that are regulars or customers that are just um, yeah. very familiar with the cuisine yeah I mean the Asian kind of cuisine culture is a very social um, kind um, of uh, yeah it's a very social event you know mm. I just say you know we, we, we sit around a round table with plenty of dishes that we can like, choose from it's, just, it's not just one plate so I'm really glad that you know you're trying to kind of represent that through May May as well yeah we didn't have a space um, for a big round table but I got a half moon table which I was I had to when I was designing a space I was adamant that we had a table at some sort there mm. because I was like yes we can have the seating around May May it's fine but mm. I was like, we have to have mm. a table because you've got to have at least six people crammed in and have like mm. covered with food that was just had yeah. to happen um yeah. and my business partners were like are you sure Liz we could probably get 12 people in here that was standing and I was like no <laughs> we're gonna we're yeah. gonna give up this space for a table oh, I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm so glad I'm so that I'm so glad that you actually fought for that um it, it makes me even look more looking forward to kind of go visit May May now um I just want to go back to you know you you saying that that sense of belonging when you know while you were living in the UK and uh, yep. I don't know it almost kind of gave me a sense that you know you had a bit of a kind of identity crisis I'm not yeah, sure yeah. If that's a good way to kind of put it yeah. um, I mean for, because of that do you think it, it um, gave you kind of different challenges uh, from kind of becoming a, a chef to kind of where you are now um, you know what kind of challenges did you face uh you know to kind of get to where you are now and how did you uh kind of overcome them I think because maybe when I was starting as a chef I, I didn't feel like when I was a chef I wasn't really thinking about what I knew I basically was in just this mission to learn and so I was out mm. to learn everything possible this is why I went down the classical French route because this is the very classical way of learning becoming a chef and how to cook or as far as I mm-hmm. thought anyway that's what I had access to. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like I say, yeah, yeah. When I was growing up, there was a bit of an identity crisis because you know I held two passports, one dark red and one bright red, and it would be like every time I travelled to Singapore, everyone would stare at me and be like, "I don't know where you're from. You're very different." Mm. But mm. I'm in the UK, and I'll get teased, you know, for <laughs> what I ate or what I want, you know, what I was interested in and eating at school. I remember I got bullied so much because my mum would make me noodles for lunch and they, they would call me all sorts. Mm. And like I said, it was a very conservative white um, uh, sort of cons- uh, constituency. So it was very, like, difficult for me to express this sort of culture openly and mm. Mm. almost made me kind of, like, hide it in a way. So maybe this is also kind of subconsciously made me want to go when I was becoming a chef I wanted to learn so much about this European cuisine but again like I said I think it was mm. more like what I had access to you know I had all these incredible French chefs around me that I I live in um, mm. so we so we, I'm in Maidenhead and Windsor so um you know we well pretty much we're, we're based in Bray so it has you know the three of the best res- three-star restaurants in the UK so which mm. were all French so that was kind of like more of like pushing me into that direction of why I wanted to go learn and study and work under that. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I 
I've always respected what my mother has taught me and what she has always tried to pass on. This is why we'd have, you know, five dishes every evening and the resemblance, especially when it came to um, like Chinese New Year and significant celebrations throughout the whole year. We'd always made a oh, big effort. Huge. Yeah, just yeah, just always, you know, we'd get dressed up at Chinese New Year and our... And, yeah. yeah, new clothes, new clothes, new clothes, and uh-huh. running down, making sure you got the best oranges, and and um, yeah, it's just that was really, really important. It's something that I'm passing on into my son, and I'm getting him fun, like trying to teach him about that, even though he has no clue about food right now, but <laughs> he just loves oranges. That's all I know, and um, he, it's just, it's just something that's so ingrained now, and I'm absolutely love that I'm more part of what I'm doing now than all yeah. my career in sort of, I appreciate and I, I completely I wouldn't have got where I am I think without that mm. sort of mm. study and that work into that area but I think that it makes me a you know a very all-rounded chef but then it's like the same time my palate was very attuned to spice heat and mm. um uh, with I think what well, the exciting thing about our cuisine is just it's not about just um, it's not. It's never single note. It's like a musical, isn't it? It's just sweet. It's sour. Yeah. It's spicy. It's hot. It's cold. Yeah. It's 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 having savory things with your sweet dessert, and oh, yeah. I just find that so exciting. But at the same time, try, just, trying trying yeah. to teach that to people here is so hard. <laughs> like trying to explain it's... that uh, I put a chendol. I put chendol on the menu uh, just before we closed. <laughs> and I and I Gen what? Yeah, and I, I I made so I made the I made the green pandan noodles and uh I made uh-huh. the gender and then my chefs were just like Chef, have you been smoking? And I was like, No no no, this is this is legit. Like honestly, like trust me. And then when I layered it with, you know, the sweet corn and the kidney beans, they were like, No, chef, oh my chef, God. chef are you okay? And I was like, Trust me. Yeah. And then I, you know, I made the gula malacca, like super, super sweet and sticky, mm. syrupy. You've got the really good quality mm. coconut cream. And I was like, okay, just try it. And they were just super hesitant. <laughs> but then yeah. I was like, you see, like it just, for me, this is just heaven. Cause it's like, you've got the ice and it's cold and it's savory, it's sweet. And it's, mm. and it's very mm. rich, but at the same time cooling. And I was like, you have this dessert after a very, very hot, spicy dish is just you know yeah. you understand especially if you're in Singapore with the climate if it's hot I was like I understand that it's very cold we're in London and it's probably like two degrees outside and I'm making you eat an ice dessert but just imagine <laughs> just imagine shaved ice dessert yeah, what? yeah exactly I said just imagine though no, we're in a warm and it's summer and <clears throat> you'd appreciate it and they they kind of got it yeah. but they probably still think I'm probably high but yeah, I mean, it's it's so true what you say about just the complexity of, you know, uh, Southeast Asian kind of food. There's just so many depth of uh, flavour and also texture that kind of combines with it as well. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, I totally understand where your chef is coming from. Uh, being British-born Chinese, I grew up here my whole life. So when my, my wife first kind of offered me gaya on toast, I was like, what the hell is this goo on my toast? Give me some jam or marmalade, anything. No. And I, and I tasted it. And I tasted it. I was like, 
my life just changed in that in that <laughs> in that in that moment I've been to. I was like, oh my god, what? Did she serve it? What is this? What is, Did she serve it with the what is this sorcery? Did she serve it with the of course like the huge absolutely like, stoppingly slab of butter? Yeah, that's how that's how we do it at Mamie. I, I I don't hold back, and just, everyone always thinks no, I'm mad. Don't, don't, Someone said, oh, is this ice cream? Back. And I was like. Yeah, just try. <laughs> <laughs> she, she she actually offered me that that Gaia toast, um, maybe like the first month when we were dating, and I was like, I know what you're doing now. You're trying to kind of get, you're trying to feed me and get me really fat, so I wouldn't run away. <laughs> well, she 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 succeeded. That's what I'm doing with my husband. <laughs> Oh man, you you guys. Uh, I know I know your secrets. I know your secrets. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, you, you're talking about all these amazing flavors, yeah. dishes that you you know you 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 kind of grew up eating, um, you know, at home and in Singapore. I mean, it must have been quite difficult for you to kind of finalize on um, a menu, you know, at May May. I mean, you know, how how did you kind of you know, finalize. Okay, we're gonna have this, this, this on 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 the menu. Yeah. And yeah. um, how 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 would you kind of continue to kind of uh, innovate and kind of try to create more um, food for the menu as well? What's the what's the what's whole what's the whole process of of doing that? Well, because May May, because we are based in Barra Market, so we needed to be in my eyes. We had to have quite a limited menu because we knew it's going to be. Well, hopefully it was going to be busy. And so we couldn't have more than, say, eight, ten items on the menu. And I tried to break it down like, okay, our opening hours mm-hmm. are very much like a brunch offering. So because we're, we're open from 10 to 5 p.m. on normal hours, train mm-hmm. in mind. And, um, mm-hmm. and so I was like, okay, well, what do I like for brunch? So I wanted at least two or three items for a brunch. And I was like, of course, we've got to have the Gaia toast. And then... Um, you've got to be able got to, to that, you've got yeah. to and then you've got to have that with the soft yeah. boiled eggs and soy sauce and a lot of white pepper for me yeah. and and then <laughs> and then you've got to have that with the coffee and tea so I was like okay that's down pat and then yeah. um, I was like what else okay well nazi lamat for me must have because yeah. um, I love that and <laughs> I think I mean selfishly just came up the menu is what, what I like but I just told my business partners this is what's happening. Um, and then uh, I was, we, the main star of May May is our Hananese chicken rice because this is my, mm. my top, top, probably my favorite dish of all time. And mm. I have a lot of um, respect for it because I think it's very complex. And it was going to mm. be the one that I think, like, you know, had the most challenging um, introduction to Westerners. And I was mm. ready for that challenge, um, mm. you know, poached chicken. And I think the British are very, very, you know, very respected and well-known for boiling food. So trying mm. to teach them about poached, gently poached chicken was really, really, really hard um, mm. and very difficult for people to overcome. Like, why would you just have chicken and rice, like poached chicken and mm. rice? But it's more than that. It's about the sauces. It's about the heat from the ginger garlic and it's about the sweet soy sauce mm. or dark soy sauce however you like it and then mix it all together mm. or have it all separately or whatnot and the garnishes and yeah so it was just that was kind of like what I wanted May May to kind of like base around but then mm. um, I said I did have this struggle and I was like okay well we do need to be you know we do have to think about the modern society and the modern offering that we need to offer for younger people or people maybe who've come from Singapore or Malaysia and then want to see something new. So I was like, all right, well, yep. I'll do it with the fried chicken. 
and it's this, mm-hmm. it's a, this is it's a recipe that I've been working on for since you know as my time as a chef so I got that uh, nailed basically super super crispy coating but we did that mm. with the traditional condiments and the cot sides with the Hanani's chicken rice so it's kind of like you have your chicken rice but you have a fried chicken mm. version with it and mm. that obviously goes down really really well because people who were a bit off put by the idea of home poached chicken that you know you yeah. know poached chicken where it's fried chicken yeah and yeah. because we use everyone, because, everyone. yeah and fried chicken is very you know understandable so it's very easy to get whereas poached chicken because we get we use extraordinary um good quality like the best quality chickens you can get in the country um i, I mm. went to many different chicken farmers and producers and we basically tested way too many chickens that my I, we were just sick to death of chicken rice <laughs> oh man it was like yes i know we got honestly we opened our fridge and there was about 20 i kid you not there was 20 chickens one day all in the fridge and i had to like test all of them and I mean, one farmer, he fed his chickens on rosemary and thyme and herb. He was super proud that I heard fed. Wow. And I was like, look, wow. look, I was like, these are beautiful, but this flavor does not go with the pandan. This does not go with ginger. It was <laughs> probably the worst Hanani's chicken rice I've ever had. But at least we tried mm. and we ruled it out. And, it, you know, I, sh- I should have mm. just roasted it with butter and just had it, you know, as a Sunday roast. But, hey, things yeah. we do for research, right? So... Uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the other stuff that yeah. we had on the menu is like the I wanted something familiar, like the fried carrot cake. Um, so we did mm. the white version. We don't do dark version because I I'm not a particular. Mm. I don't like it. <laughs> I see. <laughs> um, so I, I mean, I, I mean, I think everyone who goes to May May they should believe they should already know that it's going to be a delicious. Uh, experience you know from someone with so much uh, experience as you uh, and uh, with such a, a broad range of palate you must understand what good food uh-huh. is so we should well, just I mean, like, yeah I, mean, I always get asked oh can you do the dark version I'm like I'll be like yes I can but I don't you know I'm I'm reluctant to because I but I will do it <laughs> but I just some, most everyone was like should we just do just keep the option and I was like no, because it's, we're so busy already doing the 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 white fried chicken, uh, fried carrot cake, and I just like it how it is. We had so many challenges of people saying it was too salty, um, it's because and they mm. were like, "You added too much salt," and I was like, "Honestly, I don't even add a sprinkle of, I don't even add a grain of salt into that dish." It's because we use good quality uh, preserved turnip and the um, mm. uh, fish sauce we use, yeah, uh, the, the shrimp. The sh- yeah, everything right. we we yeah, basically yeah, yeah. Uh, use a very very high quality fish sauce as well, and I was like, trust me, mm. this is how I would have this at home, but it, it'll be too too mm. much maybe for some people. But I do not compromise on the sure. flavor, which I'm I'm used to, mm. and I think that that's just you know it's challenging for some, but at the same time, I'd like to express that if you don't enjoy it, then okay, that's you know. It's, it, so let's not have an argument over it but this is how i'd like to cook it yeah please don't ask me to do it yeah. you know I less mean, than because that's not the point of yeah. you trying this food you can't yeah you can't no, please everyone no. and and to be honest i i, I prefer the lighter one yeah, as well i just it's, it's just it's just so, it's just preference right and i think that's what's also very difficult yeah. what may may does in terms of doing the food and the inspiration behind it because it's very personal it's mm. very like 
it connects you with home and it's home comfort food. So you're very used to a particular way that your mother mm. or your grandmother or your auntie makes it or uncle, or whatever it, your favorite, <coughs> you know, your favorite stall back home makes it. There's a very particular way. And mm. you come to Maymay, I'm not that person. I, you know, I make it how through my yeah. experiences and my knowledge and my um, knowledge mm. as a chef and also knowledge as a Singaporean Brit. And mm. this is how I mm. like to make it given the ingredients I have as well in the UK, I do not have, you know, campon chicken. I don't mm-hmm. have village chicken. I have Sussex chicken. And <laughs> yes, they're a lot bigger, but, you know, I think the flavour is yeah. just about on par. Um, and, mm. you know, it's very difficult for me to get um, Asian greens, so like masses like of it. I try to use all we, um, mm. all of our, pro- most of our projects other than the chickens and the... Uh, some of the like pandan and galanga, we get that from Thailand, but and our supplier in Thailand. But mm. everything else, we try and source from the market because we are in the best market in London. Mm. So everything is super fresh mm-hmm. in the morning. It literally comes from the guy across the mm-hmm. bar, you know, almost like a stone's throw <laughs> away, and it comes yeah, yeah, in the morning, yeah. and you know, when we cook it, so it's not going to yeah. be the exact replica. And I never said this is super authentic. And I never use that sort of terminology mm. in our um, branding in our in our in our mission. It's just that we have we try to replicate that nostalgia and given what we have here. And I mm. think that's the main thing to bear in mind is especially when we do the menu and get inspiration. Yes, I have inspiration from the dishes from back home and um, from what mm. my mum's taught me and what my um, what I've eaten in Singapore particularly. I mean, I actually got that fried chicken ideas from singapore so it's just kind of mm. i think it all goes in swings and roundabouts and there's always just got to be underlined without fail a sign of respect and um and no messing around it's kind of got to be like i think accepted by all and uh i, I wouldn't dare yep. sort of cross over i think I remember saying to my mum, I was going to do a fried chicken, Hanani's chicken rice. And she looked at me as if I committed a murder. And I said to her, but mom, look, I, you know, there's this place in Singapore that does. She goes, oh, maybe, okay, all right. Lad. And I'm like, why can't you understand? Like, you know, it's just, if I wouldn't dare try and say, skip something out for something else. And then say, this is, you know, an authentic, yeah. uh, say, Nazi Lamak, sure. if it didn't have uh, coconut rice, say. I wouldn't do that. That's just, just yep. wrong. And that's just yep. cultural preparation. And it's just, yeah. just going down a dark route. Of course. I mean, it's also you, I mean, as you say, it's, it's, it's quite difficult for us to kind of source the exact uh, ingredients that, you know, they're using. But why so, would you? Yeah, it's impossible financially. And why, and, and why would you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and you're being resourceful, um, you know, you know uh, supporting local, like literally local businesses, people that's trading right yeah. next to you. And still creating these amazing, delicious food that represents Singaporean kind of cuisine and kind of bring uh, gives people that uh, nostalgia yeah, we kind of have feeling. Create this bond around so, all our suppliers, and also, you know, we have this such um, mm. you know respect for which everyone does, and it's it's just mm. and it's the whole thing about Southeast Asian cuisine is you use what you've got, right? You don't you, you go to a market yeah. and you buy and you make a dish yeah. out of that. This, this is, and this is kind of like yeah. what frustrated me about a lot of the Michelin and this. Why am I importing Icelandic cod into the UK? Or why am I getting uh, <laughs> caviar from God knows where, Russia, where say, 
And then it's like yeah. this, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. selling it for hundreds and hundreds of pounds because you have to because it costs so much. Like, that's the sh- and <laughs> mm. then and then seeing mm. that a customer would waste all this food, or it would be yeah. or someone who didn't like something would just waste it, and it just break my heart that all this waste, uh, you know, is created in these sort of um, in this sort of like restaurant culture. Unnecessary so waste. I hate yeah. this so much. Okay, it's just grinds mm. it that's what really pushed me away a bit more from michelin and this is what i love about our food is that you know honeyness chicken rice you use every single bit of that chicken god damn it like you oh. have this fat you've got this you've got the bones and it's all stewed and then it's just i basically happy to eat not all the meat off the bone basically but we serve it boneless and drink the broth, the broth as well and then and, and then drink- you've got the fat and then you render and you cook it all in that and it's just like it's just a happy circle of life, right? And it's just, yeah, we, it's just, like, yeah. We don't throw no. anything away. You throw something away. No, you, no you bloody way. You failed at something. You, you, you even got rice left over. You that's, make, that's you just... make a fried rice in the morning. <laughs> fried rice but, with yeah, an egg on top. Just don't tell, don't tell EHO that we <laughs> did fried rice with leftover rice. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, take, I'll, I'll eat it at home. I'll eat it at home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and you know, it's 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 really true what you say is about like it's, it's like like Malaysian mm. food right or like Southeast Asian food. <clears throat> um, you know that's like that's that's probably where fusion food came from. You know because it's such a it's such a mix of different mm. cultures. We're taking a bit of this, we're taking a bit of that, and then boom, this is uh, mm. Singaporean food. Mm. You know, or boom, this is uh, Malaysian food. So I think. Um, Malaysia, I think Southeast Asian food is more of an idea rather than a type yeah. of cuisine. You know, it's an idea of bringing different things together and creating something absolutely delicious. And I think if we do that to heart, you know, we, we've properly re- represented um, the Southeast mm, Asian cuisine. Exactly. And uh, yeah, and yeah, and you know, let's got to continue doing that because you know you're definitely doing something Thanks. right. Um, Okay, about your enough about your business. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're obviously a very you're you're obviously a very busy woman. You know, you're you're also a mother now as yeah. well. Um, you know, apart from running a business, what what other things do you do like hobbies and how how do you switch off from all that kind of noise and um, all that stress that that goes into kind of running uh, your it's business? Hard to, isn't it though? Um... Especially, yeah, yeah. It's hard, yeah. Now, I just can't never switch off. I even was up at three thirty this morning sketching because I was like, I can't sleep. But um, I used to, so before <laughs> I was uh, like I said, I mentioned earlier before I got into architecture, I was an artist. So I like to kind of just sketch and draw and paint, and that's kind of like my switch off. But it's very like if if I'm lucky, especially with um, Riley, who's two and a half, it's. It's very rare. Mm. I get more than like ten minutes to an hour, like to myself. Um, so, yeah. if I'm not cooking at home, which like you know that is my hobby, that's why I've got a career in it. So, I like to, mm. to paint, mm. I guess. And um, mm. okay, uh, I, I I love I loved it before I was you know I say I was I studied and I would make giant paintings and murals and. Mm. Um, I'd like to get back more into it and do it with Riley as well. And cause he's, I mean, mm. he's, he's, he's a left-handed drawer like me. So I'll, I'll try and you know, mm. get his left brain going as well. Mm. Mm. 
I mean, cool. Okay. Um, I mean, you know, as you say, you know, the, the, the current situation, you know, with this whole COVID-19 thing, it is difficult for us at the moment. And you know, the, the whole kind of, um, uh, hospitality industry might change in some way mm. as well. Um, you know, what, what, uh, from your perspective, you know, what, what kind of, um, you know, how would the, the food scene um, evolve in the future after this? Ooh. What do you think it's going to be like? Different. Um, it's not going to be the same. Let's, for starters, I don't mm. feel like the food culture or basically the, the it was working before anyway. I feel like there was too much. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't enough respect, I think, for what was going on and what people were doing or this. I like to think that, mm. that the food culture is never going to disappear. There is no... There's culture, it's in the name, culture needs to have food, it's, it's, it's part of who we are. There's, without food, there's no community, right? Mm. So mm-hmm. we'll all, it's always going to be there, but I think it's just going to be different in the sense that obviously we're going to have to respect that people are going to want more distance, they're going to want the space, mm. and we've got to expect mm. that, you know, we've got to be so tight on these hygiene rules and being careful um, on making mm. sure that you know we're just being careful for one another um i'd like to think Mm. that people that have um mistreated those sort of rules anyway beforehand will get caught out and they weren't you know won't they won't Mm -hmm. become a success you know they won't be a successful business i'd like to think that more of these big Mm. chains will realize like how um i'd like to think that they would see I, I don't know I think it's, it's gonna be tough because they're the ones that everyone's gonna run back to first and that's what's killing me at the moment it's that we need to be supporting all the small local mm. businesses but I can't mm. literally if I hear another person say how much they miss a McDonald's I'm just going to scream um, <laughs> they're going to be fine you know they're much the more corporate company and um, yeah. I'd like to feel like people have yeah, a bit more respect yeah. now that they're sick of growing cooking about how hard and what mm work goes into and dedication goes into this hospitality industry mm. and the food culture and but i mean mm. that's just me being hopeful do you know what elizabeth that's a very interesting uh, point that you made because i spoke to someone earlier this um earlier this week uh, you know asking a similar question and his take on on it was a quite polar opposite to yours because he thinks that less and less people is going to be going towards the kind of cheap fast food and you know uh appreciate even more in quality I'd like to... Man, that was I his really, take really... on it yeah you like, like to think you like, like to think to that right super optimistic <laughs> right like just honestly i'd like to think that i'd like to think that people will be like okay i can see now why this costs so much and i'd like to know i'd like you know yeah, i'd like to yeah. indulge in going to a three star or two star or one star or even just spending a hundred pounds at a street food restaurant called may may and but that's basically the entire menu for a hundred people yeah. um but we mm. i i like to i think the reality <coughs> is is that people are going to be so used stuck in this sort of like I think it's just the pessimistic side of me. It's just like people are used to cooking at home. They'd be like, okay, I don't understand why this cost, um, you know, six six pounds for a chicken curry. I don't, when I can make it for a couple mm. of pounds. I think there's always going to be that. And I'd mm. like to think that it'll change. And there will be this respect on what people do. People are sick of, you know, even just down sure. to, 
something simple as you're fed up of doing your own washing up. Okay, well, this is why this person costs me so much and your dish costs you 650 because I'm paying for this person to wash up the dish that you're eating. But there there you go. I just, I think it's going to be a massive challenge in terms of changing that consumer thinking or just taking things for, you know, the the gratitude and taking things for granted. I think this, we just kind of need to get past that first. And then I like Mm. to think that, you know, you say people be happy to spend more when they go out, but I just don't feel like that because everyone's going to be strapped for cash, right? It's going to, we're going to go through a very hard time. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm. that, you know, we've got to kind of look out for each other. And I think that the time of bashing people for what they do out in a restaurant is like, come on, you're the one that came to me. So why are you criticizing it? I like to think that's just going to, absolutely. I like to hope that that sort of side of the food culture will die out. Hmm. Well, you know, I mean, from your experience and, you know, from the, the last kind of hour mm. speaking to you, you definitely have the character and the um, the, tra- the trait to do that. Um, maybe we're going to wrap up the, but uh, we're, we're almost time's up. We're going to wrap up the, the, um, the podcast mm-hmm. now. Um, maybe to tell the, the listeners, you know, where they can find out more about May May, uh, your social media yeah. handles. Um, so my social media handles, the underscore modern chef. Um, but more importantly, mm-hmm. May Mays is uh, May May M E I M E I dot London, um, and you could also find us yep. on www.maymay.uk, um, and on there you can actually buy some of our products online, and we deliver that nationwide. Yep, Gaia and the sambal, and you've got the uh, curry yeah, spices vital as well. Yeah, to recreate some yep. of those iconic dishes at home. Um, and yeah, kind of get a slice of May May whilst we are getting back up on our feet. Yep. Well, thank you so much, um, Elizabeth, for kind of joining me today. Um, you know, just listening to how you kind of navigated through from being an architect student to becoming an <laughs> award-winning uh, chef to now kind of opening up May May and navigating through these difficult situations with your online store has been, you know, fascinating to hear. And, um, you know, I wish you yeah. all the best. And thank I really you. do hope to meet you again in the yeah, future. Definitely. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. Um, we'll be back again next week with another episode. And um, I'll speak to you guys soon. Goodbye. Hey.